This is Jan Cox Talk number 2,577, recorded September 13th, 2000. After I wrote what I wrote for you people tonight, driving over here, it struck me that it's actually a continuation of last night or the last time we were together. So I want to read just a piece to remind you of what I wrote and was talking about in the main last time. And that was that there's an endless conflict going on in each person's ordinary mind, wherein the natural source of all logical thinking is an endless conflict with an irresistible and irrepressible attraction to indefensible foolishness. That is, if you recall, rather than looking at individual people, I was saying, rather than looking at a, at a person in toto at any given time, is being foolish, like someone making some absolutely ridiculous remark. Something that just to you, to your logical, to your mind's way of thinking when it's at its best, when it's just operating at its minimally directive intended manner. Does someone make some statement like last night they saw a ghost or last night a flying saucer landed in their backyard? And rather than looking at the person at that given instance, as being foolish, I was pointing out to you that there is another quite genuine way in which to look at each person's, what we call the mind, that, that operation within the brain, that there is a conflict that there is within each person on this planet. If you can speak, then this is true. You have what I was calling a logical part of the mind the reasonable part, and it doesn't have anything to do with the academic field of logic, with a capital L, and it doesn't have anything to do with your, quote, intelligence, or your IQ quotient, your IQ. But it is simply that part of the mind that, for one of any, no need to search for a better word, I was saying was the logical part, the part that puts together sentences, the part of the brain that produces what seems to you and to those people you talk to, it seems to be cogent sentences. So everyone has a logical part of the mind because that is the part of your mind, if nothing else, that is responsible for you being able to speak in a coherent manner. So I was saying that there is in each person two aspects of the mind, two possibilities. There is within everyone this logical part, and then there is this part that is given over and, well, another way to look at it is there's this part that's given to foolishness, but then the logical part of the mind is also given over to granting a great deal of tolerance to this foolishness. That that is, that you find out that there is some man who won a Nobel Prize in physics, and you find out he goes to seances. People don't want to talk about it. Well, somebody finds out wants to talk about it because they think they're going to make some money off of discovering it. But then they always find out that nobody wants to hear about that. So, keeping that in mind, you're supposed to say which part. <laughs> don't, don't start that shit. I ain't got going. So here's tonight. If you don't think beyond your own thoughts, you're not using the mind to its full potential. After having made this factual statement, it would not be unexpected that someone would ask, quote, well, how do you do that? And not only can I not answer that question, 
But the answer to that question is totally beyond the thoughts that ask it. Hmm? A fact which, if you get it, answers the question. I quit. I can't believe. For you people on tape, I got such a response here that I, if there's anything decent left about me, or none not decent, I would quit. But I'll finish reading. What this whole kind of activity is about, a more complete awakening of the mind, is transparently dependent on the mind. What else is there to use in such an undertaking? And yet a glaring, though ignored, point of vicinity lies at the heart of this. To wit, what knowledge about your mind can your thoughts contribute that is not already in your mind? Plainly put, how can you ever know more than you know? And now, one that's not so plain. How can you ever be more conscious than you are at any moment when you are thinking about being more conscious? You can't. This is the sticky problem that thoughts do not want to deal with. Indeed, they are by nature unable to deal with it. And by the way, right there is all of the, quote, way to wake up that an experienced and perceptive man requires. Which is why I say, if you do not think beyond your own thoughts, you, you never use thinking to its fullest. And if that remains the case, you will never wake up to what is really going on. All right. Let's trisect it. If you don't think beyond your own thoughts, you're not using the mind to its full potential. I started to be, from my view, uh, more clever in my use of the words and make it more of one of my kind of, I consider it, pretty typical one-liners. Because it could have said something like this. If you don't think beyond your own thoughts, you don't know how to think. Which is what I'm saying. That if you do not think beyond your own thoughts, then since the point of all of this, no matter how you twist it, one valid description is to say that it is an attempt, it is an effort to awaken the mind more completely. That we're assuming, well, all of you know, that you can be for want of a better adjective, more, consci more conscious. There is another state of mind wherein it makes the ordinary state of mind seem, shall we say, extremely lacking. So if the point of this is to awaken the mind more fully, and by awakening, I don't really intend, although I'm familiar, of course, with the Use of the words by the strange folks of the planet. Maybe that's a new version of the leprechauns instead of the wee folks. The strange folks. 
I know that they use the word awaken, as I do sometimes, taken from them. But I mean to ignite, to cause to operate more fully. And I shouldn't play with words because enough of you have had the experience, although to say more conscious for a good while I backed off of that because it is so commonly used. People believe that you're more conscious if religious people do, if you're talking to the dead or talking to God or God's talking to you. All sorts of strange things about being, quote, more conscious. But all of you, I guess, by now, hearing on tape, have had sufficient experience that you know what I mean by your own experience. You cannot fully appreciate that which you know to be true. That is, it will still stay out of your everyday grasp, from my experience, unless you can get past the point that your thinking is limited to your thoughts, that if you can't find how to think beyond the thoughts you already have, then all of this, the awakening of the mind to a fuller extent, will only be these anomalous, anomalistic, ephemeral, uncontrollable occurrences, as delightful as they are. But it seems to stay out of your grasp insofar as making it a part of your everyday consciousness, your everyday life. So I am pointing out from another kind of view that what is needed is to be able to think beyond your own thoughts. But I immediately followed that with, believe it or not, paragraph two. And it said, it noted that after I had made that statement that is accurate and factual, that in, unless you can think beyond your own thoughts, you'll never wake up fully to what's going on. Then I said, after making such a statement, it would not be unexpected that someone would say, okay, then how do you do that? Because if you consider for a moment, we're so used to talking in such terms, you may not notice it, but that is a fairly either astounding, enigmatic, or ridiculous statement to begin with. The first part of it to say that unless you think beyond your thoughts, I mean, any reasonable person, any ordinary, reasonable human uh, also would not be, would not be unexpected if they, if they were listening to me, would interrupt and go, what the hell does that mean? Think beyond your thoughts. What kind of bullshit is that? But let's say that they listened and they, for some reason it struck them. And then they would ask, well, how do you go about that? That is, that they, it perhaps struck something resembling a familiar note in them. The idea that you must think beyond your own thoughts to ever fully realize what's going on. Then somebody, if they did not reject it, their mind did not immediately recoil from the idea. Then they would be well expected to say, okay, how do you do it? At which point, I would counter and say, good question. The question I expected. The only question that an alert listener could ask this of any practical value, that if that be true, then how to do it? My response is, not only can I not answer that question, but the thoughts in you that ask the question, couldn't understand the answer if I had it. Yeah. 
And then I pointed out, which some of you got, then I pointed out, by the way, if you understand what I just said, then that is the answer. That is the answer to your question about how do you do it. That's it. It then got into that which can certainly, if you don't watch your mind, well, if you're ordinary people, could begin to take it as simply jeu de moi. Being foolish and playful with words. And I keep, every time it comes to mind, I'm writing along such lines, I spend a few seconds searching for a new way of putting it. But it amounts to this. That this glaring question, that if the point of all such activities is, is to awaken, is to bring about a more complete awakening of the mind, then you're left with this serious question, if you see it. And very few people, of course, even ever become involved with the so-called effort to show any interest in the attempt to more completely awaken, ignite, use the mind. Believing that there is greater potential, or you've already had the experience that you know damn well there is. That there is another way something can happen in your brain, in that part that produces your so-called consciousness. There is something that can happen that you know, I don't even like to talk about. Because you tend to drown yourself and your listeners in superlatives. It's just incomparable. So, you either... Suspect it's there, believe it's there, or you know it's there. Then the question is, you know, how to get to it, how to bring it about, how to bring it more into my everyday reach. And I point out that there's a problem. If the attempt, if a workable description of what this is about is to bring about a more complete awakening of the mind, then you're faced with this question. Unless a series of questions are all interlocked. The first one I ask you rhetorically, you've got to face yourself. What are you going to use other than the mind to prosecute this attempt? If the object is to bring about a more fully awakening, a, some non-standard use of the mind, to excite it, to ignite it, to get it operating in some way that does not normally occur, then... The first problem is this that people do not ever want to face, even the weekend warriors, the dilettantes that fool around with this. And that's a simple question. It's a transparent question. There's no doubt of, as to the response. The question is, what are you going to use to prosecute this matter other than the mind? And no one, not even a weekend mystic, if they're sane enough to hold a weekday job can refuse to see that when it's pointed out and yet if you notice you don't have to look at other people if you if it's not brought to your attention if you don't force the matter to stay in the forefront of your own thinking you never consider the matter or you never think about the fact that you're attempting to more fully awaken the mind and you're using the mind to do it I admit it. I know it's true. There's nothing to be ashamed of, and you can't hide it because I know it's true. 
it takes a lifetime at best, evidently, based on my experience and my understanding of it, at best, for a person to ever realize that on a constant basis. But again, I point out that if it is noted to them specifically that what do you use to do this besides the mind? What can you use? Then any person got to say, well, the mind. You, know, you can't use your liver, your lungs, your hands, your feet. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how fast you are. There is nothing physically or nothing physical available that you can employ. If the object is, again, let's just call it for the time being, to more completely awaken and activate the mind, then what do you have to use? What, can, what tool, what operation, what function, what method, what means do you have to approach this task other than the mind? And any ordinary person faced with that at the moment, you have to say, well, certainly the mind. I repeat again, very few people, very few. It's just obvious throughout history. It's obvious from my great mystical a priori, my inverted understanding. The very few people ever really come to grips with this. And it's not to deny and question the fact that they had these extraordinary experiences wherein their mind was more fully awakened and it changed relatively speaking in their case it changed their life but I do not see much history at all much even traces of people pushing beyond that which you know, is as you know, I'm not offering his criticism, but I'm saying that there is something beyond the experience. And I'm saying, from my experience, what I've attempted to tell you that I found helpful, to say the least, was rather than driving yourself crazy, trying to be able to bring on the extraordinary, quote, state itself, at will, which I could never do. I don't believe anyone can. And I have serious doubts whether anyone stays in that state, regardless of the historical dreams to the contrary. But what you can do, there is something else that I found that occurs if you relentlessly pursue an investigation of what, this, what the state is itself. Disease is way to describe the way to get started. That Yes, I know what it is. I, well, I've been there. I'm speaking about a person generically. I don't mean just me that you, oh, let's say my fictitious person, they're aware of the fact that I have been there. It's happened to me on numerous occasions throughout my life. It has been lengthy enough at times, several days, that I am fully familiar. There's nothing I have ever read or heard about now that is not familiar. And people try to ex explain. Even people have done it in religious contexts. People have done it originally in other languages within other cultures, I can read it, and I recognize when a man has had this extraordinary experience inside of his own brain. That's all that happened. was something completely out of the ordinary, something you do not find in textbooks. You do not find it, all you find it is in religious and mystical books, and then it's usually garbled. But that this happened, and you know what it is, but then undertake a study of exactly what is it. What happened? But now you have to think beyond your own thoughts. That is, you have to think beyond anyone's thoughts. 
because you've got uh, no scarcity of books that'll tell you what happened. And the easiest explanation is if you started out on the basis of buying, if you adopted the model, the description that man is asleep and through certain efforts can awaken, then if I challenged you, if I found that you had had those kind of experiences, and I said, well, so uh, you know what it means to be awake? And you go, yes. And I go, well, you know what it means to experience? And you go, yes. And I say, okay, but do you know what it is? I mean, do you know what happened when you're in that state? People say, well, yeah, I was awake. And I go, well, okay. But what, what was it? Do you understand what it was? Well, yeah, I was no longer living in a dream world. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the point is, people do not pursue a question of what is the nature of what happened. Uh, I certainly wouldn't try to convince someone that had such experiences to press onward since I don't try to convince anybody of anything. But I'm saying that I found that a continued, persistent pushing of the matter, like what did happen? Ignoring every description I ever heard, ignoring my own. Because I realized I didn't have to blame it on other people's description about, well, I was awake. I was, that's enlightenment. I was enlightened. I finally had to face the fact that that doesn't tell me anything. Finally, I had to face the fact I do not know what happened, and I finally realized no one knows what happened. People who had the experience, no one understands it. So I pressed on. And for a long time considered, well, it's not, the mind cannot understand it because it happened to the mind. That is what, in a somewhat simplified version, that I am trying to point out here in this paper tonight, what I'm talking about. You're trying to affect the status of your mind. You're trying to affect a more complete awakening, a more complete operation. And again, I don't mean awakening really in any mystical sense anymore because everybody's mind all six billion people's mind awakens in that sense that you are born with a nascent dozing mind that is the potential and then as a child once he begins to speak that's a just in general you can say the mind has awoke the brain now you know enough physiology and etc that just things happen but the mind has awoke in the child they can now, they form sentences, they have some concept of time. They can form sentences that belie any instinctive knowledge of life. Your liver, your stomach has no knowledge of we will eat later. We will eat when your father gets home with the sandwiches. I don't care what you ever did to your stomach. You could have the finest stomach. You could have had your stomach on an Olympic class regimen for years. You could have had the world's strongest stomach, fastest stomach, stomach who has taken several world records in the broad jump. You could have a stomach among stomachs. You could play your stomach Mozart up close for years. There is no way that your stomach, there is no way that any instinctive, as I call it, your any part of your instinctive self will ever have any concept of later. 
or when. Your stomach is hungry, and there's no way, no one's stomach, Einstein's stomach. No one's stomach can ever understand you saying, shush, shush, I know, we will eat when, when your father gets here. Or we will, if you're talking to your stomach, shush, we will eat when my buddy calls, when my girlfriend gets home, I promised her we would go out. I'm waiting on her. We will eat when. The mind has awoken in a child, in a human, when such things begin to make sense. That was more trouble than it's worth, but... <laughs> start following your own tongue. I was simply trying to point out that there is a process, a procedure through which all six billion people go that I do not or should not be considered mystical or unusual at all. And that is, truly, we could say that everyone's mind goes through an awakening. And what this kind of activity is about is not simply going from a state of sleep to awakening, which is a very apt description. I still can't knock it. I still can't improve on it at that level. But... I say, again, in a non-spooky, in a non-mysterious way, this activity, ultimately, if you press on, you'll, you'll see it in some way similar. That's my wager. That what it is was a further awakening of the mind. You cannot further awaken the mind if you are left with it always being in conflict with itself. That is, that one part is logical and one part deals in foolishness. You cannot ever awaken the mind, cannot extend its awakening, its operation in any way if you're still dealing with ordinary thought, which is based upon what? Duality. And I can describe it as being between a logical self and a foolish self. I can say it's between a, a man's instinctive self and his mental self. I can say it's between a man's uh, genetic self and his acquired personality. <coughs> it is all in the mind. It is not in the stomach. It is not in the liver. It is nowhere else in the body. It's in the brain and in a fairly localized area of the brain at that. But it's in your head. It's the only place that there is a conflict. It is the only place where there is a sense of any duality. It is unknown to the rest of our body. It's unknown to our instinctive self, it is unknown to the rest of the creatures on this planet. You have to be able to, as we call it, think. I always like, I've never gotten into talking about this. I can't understand why this doesn't awaken somebody. It's for me to say what we call think. I was flowing right along there saying that we are the only creatures on this whole planet to have any sense of duality, that you have to think. Not so well, you have to, as, as humans call it, think. Do you realize there was no word for think until we could think? Why did that wake you up? Or why did that at least give you such a headache that you fall on the floor and say, ah, you know, screw this and leave? How did we know what it was? What did we call it before we called it anything? Because that's still not it. Do I have to go ahead and do it for you? All right. 
Here we go. I say something by God stinks over the fact that we, once we learn to think, that we, the only creatures that can think, notice this. I, so come on, this is, this is not right. We say that we're the only ones who can think. But who called what we do think? Possums? Did they label it that? Did they finally have literally some sort of conference of the birds and rather than electing members of parliament, they redid their own uh, version of Dr. Johnson and put together a dictionary and they defined what think was? Or one of them says, you ever notice what goes on in humans' heads? Yeah, what the hell we call that? Yeah. And maybe somebody, one bird probably even, I can imagine, uh, suggested cuckoo. But <laughs> which is sort of disingenuous since that would have been what I had in mind, that particular bird's natural sound anyway. But at any rate, birds, possums, sloths, <laughs> mongooses, they're not the ones that said, let's call it think. Because it's different. Only men do it, so it needs a different word. We don't do it. So we'll have to come up with a word for it. I say something stinks, and I say something stinks that that doesn't wake you up. But back to the main topic. I thought that was the main topic. Verbally. If you can't think beyond your own thoughts, then you cannot think outside of a dualistic system. And it does not have to be at any particular moment by any means. This has been noted in, in various ways for thousands of years amongst people involved with such as this. So I don't, it's not some absolutely new discovery. But it is not taken, I could never see that anyone took it or described it in a way that I could find useful to do something about it. But it has been pointed out, and usually in a carping manner, that this is the problem of men believing that in too many cases things either have to be, you know, in black and white, that something has to be absolutely correct or incorrect, or that uh, you're absolutely a wonderful, talented person, or, or you're what many people say you are, a pretentious windbag. Sounds all right. Except a person who is really wired up with an attraction to this can surely... Well, history seems to prove it. It's surely attuned to hearing a condemnation, a warning about that kind of dualistic thinking that you must in some way get free from it. But normally the warnings are always local. They're always specific. And it doesn't, I've never seen it get to the real heart of what's going on. That is, that is the nature of the mind, that the mind cannot think you will never have a thought that is not, not even your first thought, if it is not from some dualistic concept of the mind already. How do you know what to say without knowing what not to say? If your boss walks by your desk in the morning and goes, how's it going? How do you, like you like your new job here? Do you know to say love it? But how do you know to say that? You don't have to sit there involved with some metaphysical, philosophical discussion with yourself about, should I tell the truth? Should I lie? What would be the truth? I'm not talking about that. It's why I say that people do not consider 
moment to moment throughout their life, hardly anybody ever even thinks about it. But even philosophers, even people who believe that they have some awareness of the fact of the detriment of thinking in either or, of absolute. Even those people are constantly doing it. You cannot think, you cannot entertain ordinary thoughts unless that be the case, that you're engaged in a continual preference of one choice over another. And I say preference, not that you consciously do it, but you select one. Well, not that you select one, it's that your mind seemed to selected one. Well, not that your mind selected one, it's like, oh, all right, one was there. But see, what you forget was that there's truly one that was not there to support the one that's there. There is no way that you knew to say to the boss, love it. When he said, how do you like your new job? How do you like it here? The Dinglewort Industries. Love it. You knew that by knowing not to say, this thing sucks. I had no idea this would be such a shitty job working for such shitty people as you. Your thoughts knew not to say that. Because even your thoughts, if you don't got the subject, I finally had to face, well, not face it, but I guess I should point it out in case you don't. Even your thoughts, at their worst, are not completely el dumbos. Because even they, eventually, it, it seems to be less direct. Well, that's not even true. But anyway, I'm sure to them it seems less direct because they require such, <clears throat> their, their nourishment comes in such a, different form than that which reaches the stomach. But you understand, you've got to eat. And to eat, most people need a job. And therefore, whether it be at Dinglebart Industries or where, that you need a job, you need to be able to put food in your stomach, you need for it to get out certain nutrients and get into the bloodstream so that it finally gets to your brain cells. So even thoughts, at their worst, at their lowest, they understand that there is nothing to be gained by me killing the host. For those of you that one time, you know, I threatened to start talking about thoughts as being a virus. <laughs> I guess in one of those strange stories about that when a virus or bacteria, when anything living on a host, anything in us, but a virus, that rather than looking at viruses and the illness they cause as being something yeah. a standard, a readily identifiable problem that should be cured, it should really be looked at from one view as that being an anomalistic occurrence. Because viruses are not stupid either. There's no such thing as stupid life. No, discounting, of course, several obvious professions, but there's no such thing as stupid life. And if a virus kills its host, there's one view. And I can take it beyond the physiological into the neurological, but I won't. But there's one view that if the virus kills the host, that right, you know, as the host is dying and the virus realizes I'm going down with the ship, unless it can jump ship, which 
It's kind of unfair because viruses can oftentimes jump ship. But at any rate, let's assume that there is no ship reading another human nearby to jump to. And the virus realizes I'm going down with the ship. And maybe a fellow virus or a bacteria says, you realize this is your fault. I say that the virus probably goes, uh-oh, because it didn't mean to. So I would say even at its dumbest, thoughts are not going to go to the body, the instinctive self, like, boy, you are a burden. You can be so dumb. I've seen you trip. I've seen you drop things. You know, that's not all my doing, although this guy sometimes thinks it is. There's no way that your thoughts can furnish your body. Oh, well, of course, you know, without doing themselves damage. You understood that. All right, back to where we were. How can your thoughts, how can your thoughts expand, more fully awaken your mind? What can you think that you don't already think? But don't weasel out too quickly because then you've got to turn your, your, your mind back. Even if right then you go, well, wait a minute, I, I can see that kind of trap. You've got to turn back around, though, and ask yourself again, well, what else are you going to use? And there is nothing. There is simply nothing that you can use to try and work on your mind in any way. We don't even have to use terms like to try and more fully awaken the mind. You can't work on your mind in any way. You're out the mind. There's nothing else to use. You can play around with words, and people have done it for thousands of years, including people who believe that they're trying to further awaken the mind. That is, people that call themselves mystics. They will use, in case you've never noticed, they will mangle, they will manhandle. And I see what they're doing, and you can see it. It's not that hard to do once you realize what I'm talking about. And you can see in their writings. And I'm saying that people, that um, I give them credit, that had the experience, that they had actually been in a different state of mind, the extraordinary one where that brings us here together. And yet when they're not there and they're attempting to talk about it, they're attempting, as they would call it, to figure it out, to think about it, which I say they don't. They can say they do, but they don't because they never realize what they're doing. They never realize the mootness, the irrelevance, the impossibility of what they're attempting to do. That they, in essence, are saying, well, I've had enough experience, and I've got the experience of other great awakened masters before me to go on. I've got their books here, their writings. I'll study it. I'll meditate on it. And now I've had my own experience. And, and I, in some way, well, what it amounts to is I am going to lift myself up by my little booty straps. It would be more possible to physically lift yourself up by your bootstraps, to reach down and grab both of your feet and your hands and pick yourself up off the ground. That is more likely to happen than what we're talking about. Literally. Not literally, but I decided to say that. Literally. I mean, don't be foolish enough to go, I guess that's true. No, it's not. It doesn't matter what happens. You're not going to be able to pick yourself up off the ground, grabbing your feet and your hands. Hey, don't get foolish on me. Now, I've hinted before, you know what the safest course of action is? It's just to assume that every, just take everything you hear as being foolish. Just everything. 
And of course, you can ask me, how do you do that? And I can't tell you. Because you can't, you can't plan to do it. Because if you plan to do it, you're already serious. I say this, you press on. You keep, you keep trailing after what I'm talking about, and it'll happen. You don't have to fight. You don't have to analyze what you hear in life. Important announcements from whatever source. Economists, world experts, anybody. I don't have to hear. I don't have to know what it is. As soon as I go, announcement. If I don't have anything better to do than listen, I'm already smiling, whatever it is. My current favorite, I think I wrote about it, didn't I? Is to hear people say, well, as dire as, well, I'm going to tell you, I've explained the situation as I see it. And in spite of that, I say, though, that if we all pull together and you, with the right effort, by God, I believe there's still a chance, just a chance that we can turn this thing around. And many people were upset when Henny Youngman died. Rodney Dangerfield was sick there for a while. Many people I know were very concerned. You don't have to be concerned. Not as long as we have serious world leaders, experts in serious fields. There is the, the question, the situation. There is only one thing that you can use to attempt that which we know to be true. If you don't know it to be true, I'm, I've told you it's true, that there is an absolute other state of mind that is extraordinary. And I'm saying between here and there, I have found that you can have some effect that I used to think was almost impossible. It is something almost in counter-distinction to the inability to touch your genes. I don't know. Let's put it this way. I'll get out of this. I'm not sure what it is. I'll let you know. How was that? But I know this from experience, that if you press on in a certain way, you can get beyond what you think. Not physically. As you know, I don't mean that your thoughts say, well, you can't fly. And you get the point that you can actually jump off a building and fly and then say to your thoughts, <laughs> see? But there is a way other than the extraordinary, uncontrollable, as I see them, occurrences, the times that people call being awake, being enlightened, that are just beyond man's control as far as I'm concerned, as far as I understand it, as far as I know it. It is beyond any specific control to bring it on at will. There is something resembling it that is more a natural state of mind and that's what I've been trying to describe for about the last two years to all, all of you hearing on tape. And I just stumbled. I continued to, in a sense, stumble around with it. That's not true. Yeah, it is. All right, I'll stick with that. It's like there is no plan. The closest thing to a plan is, is there anything that you think should be ignored, ridiculed? Ignored. Or ridiculed, if you like. I'm open-minded. But, I mean, if, you, if you're going to scoff at your own thoughts, what the hell do I care? There's no skin off my neurons. you got to look at the situation, or it seems to me the most efficient way, is to face this question that I was calling a sticky problem. Without any doubt, 
there is nothing that anyone can use to attempt to affect your mind in any way, to further awaken the mind. There is nothing whatsoever to use other than the mind. But now I surely don't have to preach that to any of you. There is no spiritual help. There is no some kind of mystical emanations they're going to come from a group of men in a cave in Afghanistan now that they have picked up your vibes and they know you're here. Now, I know a long time many of you kept waiting for that knock at the door on a rainy night at 2 in the morning and this hooded figure say, we've been watching, we know what you're doing, and now we're ready to lend a hand and then they disappear. So I know people that got beyond that they just got pissed about it because they wouldn't show up. But then, well, you can read about them. Then they believe that you reach a certain level. And they have all these terms. You reach a level of spiritual and conscious development. And you begin to put out such vibrations, they usually call them. Such vibrations that these group of men, the awakened ones, the grand masters that are controlling human destiny, that finally these when you reach a certain intensity, that your consciousness, the development, your awakening of your own mind begins to put out such vibrations that they simply pick it up, that they're like acute radio receivers, and now they can't help but know. And they suddenly aware of you and your level of consciousness. And then once you've got that kind of communication, they can, through these great you know, secret means, they send back these invisible vibrations to aid you so that you can join in and help them save humanity or at least turn this thing around. <laughs> I'm giving everyone credit that you people are no longer run-of-the-mill crackpots. Most of you, I've noticed, you've gone into more specialized, more individualistic forms of crackpotism and... But see, that's all right. If you can get it down to just a very personal form of eccentricity, that if you're just insane in a very small, local way that's just personal to you, that's okay. Really. It's just, and here's how you tell. If other people still think that you're weird and crazy, then you hadn't got it down right. You're still weird and crazy. It's when you can get it, it's like, what would you call it? Well, it's a great, I guess I could call it a shrinking process. That you bring in all of the craziness inside, you get it down to a very small size. I'm just guessing the size of a pea, a green pea. Some of you, it could be more like maybe a butter bean. Some of you, I guess it could even be a cherry tomato, but we, we don't, no sense making anyone feel bad. Anyway, if you can get the craziness all inside, that's what I meant by kind of very personalized and individualistic nuttiness. But at any rate, I'm giving everyone credit that you understand there is nothing to use in doing this but the mind. Now, I know it may seem, I would assume from you showing up, that it seems as though I am of some help. Now, I don't make a deal out of it, and I don't claim to, I've never told you that I send out magnetic vibrations, you know, to you. It seems to be of help, me talking about it and telling you what I know, or at least what I, you know, make up and tell you that I know, which is all I know. But think about that. 
It's still the mind, that's all it is. <clears throat> if I didn't have any secret help, there's no help. I don't really know any trick. I don't take any drugs that you don't know about. I don't, there's nothing. The point is, there, all of this is the mind. There is simply nothing else to use, and I don't know how anyone can fail to see that at any particular lucid moment when it's pointed out. So here you are. You're, this whole thing has nothing to do with spirit, consciousness. It's the mind. That's the easiest way to put it. You are attempting. The struggle is to further awaken, to further develop, to expand, to change. Because that's what it amounts to is when you do this, when you've had the experience, your mind is not the same kind of mind that you have in everyday life. And we're speaking about you just having an ordinary, everyday mind when you're in an everyday, ordinary state. You're not crazy. You're not weird. You're not. You are as sane as your peers. You have the, the same kind of general mindset as they do. But then you're in this other state and you realize that this is how I should be. When I'm there, that's what I want. There's nothing else to say. You can say a whole lot more and talk about how clear-sighted. Now you understand everything. Now you're at the bottom of, you got to the bottom of, you can say all that. The point is, if you're wired up to do this and you ever taste it, there's nothing to say except yes. Yeah, yes, this is it. I didn't know exactly, but yes, that's it. And of course, as always, as I put it, the question after that, once it ebbs away after a few days, then the, you only have one question in life, how to get it back, which, as I said, is what I'm trying to talk about. Trying to describe. You're faced with this. That you have nothing whatsoever that can be used to try and further awaken the mind except the mind. Period. That's the beginning and the end of it. If you say anything, if you try to come up with any exception, if you go, well, now, wait a minute. You're an idiot. Really, you're a moron. I've said it. That's it. There's nothing but the mind. Next paragraph. At least next sentence. Then you're faced with this question. Which nobody, well, the thoughts are not capable. They're not, they just can't deal with the question. It just appears to be self-consuming. It appears to be, if nothing else, a linguistically based artificial conundrum. And that's for me to say, how can the mind how can your thoughts ever contribute some sort of helpful knowledge, something new? How can your mind contribute something to the, your thoughts to the understanding of the mind when those thoughts came from the mind? You try to pull that on somebody, even self-proclaimed mystics, and they'll walk right away. Or, worse than that, I shouldn't say that in case you're ever tempted to do it. It's usually worse than that. They'll go, aha! And then they will start talking about anti-gravity machines and how, you know. In other words, if you, can, if you actually said that to a so-called mystic and, they, and their eyes did light up, and they go, ooh, I've been wanting to talk to somebody like you, you better get out of there. Because they are nuts. <laughs> and they're not going to talk about that. What can you do? How can it be? As I said, that one thing, there's the answer to the question. And in a sense... You know, I don't mean it as an attack, but in a sense, I, I say it with myself, I've said it. When I first saw that, I couldn't understand why it didn't just split my skull open. Because there is everything you need to know, which it doesn't sound like it's anything. It sounds like a bunch of impossible questions. But there is the answer to everything. What, what do you have to use to work on your mind other than the mind? 
Let's keep it one sentence. I'll stretch it and make it still put a semicolon. What do you have besides the mind with which to work on the mind? And what can the, your thoughts contribute to an understanding, to a development? What can your thoughts contribute in any way to a further expansion, understanding of the mind since anything they know is already in the mind? How can you think your way out of thoughts? How can the mind raise itself out of itself? And you can't just go, well, what's the use? See, that's a way out. That's what I'm saying. I would not accept, and that's the only way I can see. I can accept it on the basis of not somebody told me that. So I started looking into and considering more and more from every angle, as I've told you and even talked about. I tried to consider it from uh, philosophical, I mean, from a physiological doing a little study of the brain itself, what was known in conjunction with constantly looking inside of my own head, as silly as that sounds. Because when you look, you can't look. Because the thing you're trying to look at is the thing that you're looking with. Well, yeah, I know all that. I thought we'd gone past that. Oh, no, we never go past that. <laughs> so you're trying to weasel out again. But there's the answer. Why didn't that wake everybody up? Instead of me continuing to use that as a catchphrase, what I should say is, how can you continue to put up with this shit after hearing that and it making sense even for a split second? Then how can you fall back completely into the ordinary foolishness that thoughts foister upon you? How can you take them seriously anymore? How can you stay entangled in it? I mean, other than a, a split second. Not long enough to drop something. Long enough to poke your eye out. Or hopefully a, a playmate. Well, even Zoroaster supposedly as a child would point to one of his compatriots in the schoolyard and confide, better him than me. That was, of course, the beginning of the world's first, at least in the Western historical canon is the world's first religion. They translate it now from the Sumerian or whatever the language was, the Persian, the Farsi. And they now say that Zoroaster's religion, the first really Western, anything resembling what we now call religion was based upon this great struggle between light and darkness. That's not the story I heard. The inside information I heard was Zoroaster realized it's either them or me. I thought maybe that'd wake you up right then and if you didn't think it was just being silly. All right, how about do it with your own, what's in, inside your own mind? Take a position somewhere and go, all right, it's either, and point at the other part of the mind. If you're staying on the foolish side, point at the logical side or vice versa. Or if you're staying in your instinctive side, any of my descriptions you like, and pointing at your mental side. At least stand there and you think about it. A teacher comes out, your mother comes out. Your playmate's mother comes out. You're out in the yard playing with a BB gun, throwing rocks. And somebody's mother comes out. I'll let you figure out the allegorical mother. And the mother, this voice, this authoritarian voice says, you kids better stop that or you're going to put somebody's eye out. And she walks off. And little Zori asked her. He accepted the fact, all right, based upon if there is a world, a universe based on dualities, and somebody's eyes going to be put out by doing this, 
Then, all right, he looks. And there was him and his buddy. So if in a world, if the universe, in the way in which the authoritarian voice of his mother, common humanity, stated that you keep doing that, you're going to put somebody's eye out. All right, if it's a dual, a universe composed of only dualities, Zoroaster then woke up at an early age because he thought to himself, better him than me. Now inside your own head, well, somebody's got to be asleep. Everybody on this planet can't be awake. Instead of this planet, now look inside your own head. And nobody wants to look at it this way and thank God I'm out of time because I know you don't want to hear this. That inside of your head, it's like a, an announcement like, well, I know what you're trying to do, all this waking up and being enlightened and trying to be clear-headed. But I'm going to tell you this right now, young man. Somebody has got to be asleep in here. <laughs> I'll try it again. I, I don't know whether everybody gets it, but there was an old vaudevillian, pygmy, Markham, and he used to play a judge. And the figure he played, the judge, was illiterate, obnoxious, probably half-soused, just a buffoon. And yet the opening, he, he became famous to skit, and they would come out, somebody would come out and say, hear ye, hear ye, the court of swings, and such. Anyway, here is the honorable pygmy, Markham. And you'd hear him bang the gavel. That's what he'd do. He'd come out there and he'd bang the gavel and he'd say, good morning, good morning. And he'd look at the people standing there ready to you know, come up, the you know, prisoners, to be, you know, face the judge. He'd say, step right up, step right up. And he'd, he had this big book, this huge book, and he'd say, because I got plenty of time in here. I got plenty of senses. He said, somebody's going to do this time. He said, it ain't going to be me. He said, so step up. He said, there's enough to go around because somebody, by God, somebody's going to do this time. I loved it years and years ago. You think I only learned from Buddha and somebody, somebody's going to do this time. And he'd say, and it ain't going to be me. But you understand with such a beautiful line that here's these sentences. It's like, of course, that's many, I guess, illiterate people's idea of what goes on in a courtroom. Like in some way, they must spin a bottle or throw something. They decide, well, this morning we ought to have a group of prisoners. We ought to have people go to jail for a combined a cumulative amount of, let's say, 220 years. And so if you show up, and it doesn't really matter whether it was a parking ticket or whether you stole a loaf of bread or whether you robbed a bank, that in some way they look down, maybe you're last of the day, and they realize we've got 50 years left that somebody's got to do today. And they look, and there's no more prisoners. You know, and you stole a chicken. Or you let the parking meter run into red. And they give you 50 years. You know, what are you going to do? Because he warned them. He said... Somebody, somebody's going to jail. He said, there's this time and somebody's got to do it. In a world of dualities, in a universe of dualities, then if it's either this or that, then somebody's got to be that. Inside your head, the point that I was getting to that nobody, trust me, I'm glad that we're through because you don't hear this. It's like in your head. As you got pig meat saying, somebody's going to go to sleep. Somebody's got to be asleep. It's like, I know you want to get out of here. I know that you want to be free. I know that you're playing around all that crap about waking up and being liberated. But I can still hear. I can hear pigmeat in your head or in my head going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, somebody got to be asleep. And what he's saying is, it ain't going to be me. But what you miss out on is that's the one that could save you. 
I didn't get around to it, but that was the other question I found out. You know, when I was saying, how can the mind tell it? How can the mind give you information or thoughts give you information about the mind that's not already there? Then I gave it to you another way, which was this. How can you ever be more conscious than you are at any moment? At that moment, when you're thinking about being more conscious. I brought this up twice, whether you noticed it over the last couple of years. When you think, when you catch yourself being asleep, when you catch yourself, however you think about it, oh, that down, there I am, right back where I've always been. I have got, I know better, I've got to do it. however it is you're thinking. You know, I have, I, I have been more conscious than this. This is not, this is not even like me now. This is bad for me. I, I did something so dumb. I got so distracted. So I have got to do better. Here's what nobody wants to face. You can't be any better. You can't do any better than you are at that moment. That's not some kind of justification. I don't mean at the moment when you did the stupid thing two seconds before. I mean at the moment that you're thinking, I got to be more awake. You can't be more awake than that. I was putting it to you as a question. Don't just take me saying it. How can you be more conscious? How can you be more conscious than you thinking at, at any moment that you're thinking, I have got to be more conscious? How can you be more conscious than that? I'm serious. I'm leaving as a question. Don't take it as I made a statement. How is it possible? Now, you know damn well your mind goes, well, I'm not hearing you. That's not, I'm sure that's not what you mean. In other words, your mind's saying, well, at that moment, that is not as conscious as I can be. I have been more conscious. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, shut up. I'm saying you consider the question. How can you be more conscious than you are at any moment when you're thinking about? Just thinking about. Notice I didn't make any mystical things like struggling, some great spiritual. I'm saying how can you be more conscious than you are at any moment that you simply are thinking about? I should be more conscious. I should make more effort. How can you be more conscious than that? When you see the answer to that, you'll fall down. At least email me a picture of you falling down if you happen. <laughs> you will. And if you don't, report me to eBay. Report me to the... Turn me into the digital police. That's it. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest or just leave us a message.